0: On today's Aloha Friday podcast, we talk about the recent passing of Hanakimura and what we can do if we see our friends and family going down the same road. How to stop that from happening? Welcome to the Aloha Friday podcast, coming from the Landsberg Law Office in the historic Penthouse Suite of the Executive Center in downtown Honolulu. Here we talk to the most interesting people we know, from current events to how they got to where they are to how they see the world. And now your co host of the Aloha Friday podcast, Marcus Landsberg and Naomi Cooper Christensen. Aloha. Aloha. This is Marcus Landsberg with the Aloha Friday podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Naomi Cooper Christensen. How are you doing today, Naomi? I'm
1: doing good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, but I'm just going to say this is the evening of May 23rd. Normally, I don't put the date uh, in our recordings because I don't, I don't, Want to be tied to a particular time, but I did want to talk to you specifically today about something that affected me, um, which is a weird way to put it because it's not about me, but I do feel like it affected me. And uh, let's put aside—we're going to start our second season soon. If you guys want to hear our second season, it's coming. We've already started recording. I still have to edit it and get it ready to go, but. This is going to jump the line because I think this is very important. And what I want to talk about is uh, the tragic passing of Hanakimura, Kimura, who is a Japanese pro wrestler of all things. Um, I, Naomi, are you familiar with the story? Do you know who she is?
1: I am not. And if anyone in the audience is not, I think you should explain. So,
0: well, let me start by saying, uh, I guess late last night, Hawaii time, so uh, in, uh, in Japan, it was uh, on Saturday, uh, Hanakimura committed suicide. And before she committed suicide, she sent a number of Twitter messages out talking about why she was going to do it, and not how she was going to do it, but, but why she was driven to that point. Let me rewind a little bit she is at the time she passed which is yesterday 22 wow,
1: which wow That's so young,
0: young. um uh, the age when the smallest things are everything right and she's a pro wrestler now she's japanese but she's half indonesian her mother uh made a baby with an uh, indonesian man and then left him i'm not sure if they were ever actually married Uh, But left him to raise her on her own, uh, I believe, when Hana was about one, one and a half years old. Uh, Her mother was a professional wrestler. So a Japanese female professional wrestler. And uh, over time, uh, Hana joined the family business. So she was wrestling basically when she was old enough to walk. She uh, was in comedy professional matches. I want to say at like seven or nine years old or something, in comedy matches. But she was serious by the time she was 16. And I guess they had a conversation at 17 or 18. And she told her mom, I don't see myself doing anything else. This is what I want to do. And she's been wrestling. And she was very successful. Uh, she had a, a way about her, which uh, in wrestling, just like in acting and like in other things, there's an it factor. Some people have it. The reason why The Rock is popular uh, is because he's huge, is because he worked out, is because he's good looking. But it's also because he has the it factor, because there's a lot of other people who work hard and are good looking who just don't make it. She had that. Um, And she was very successful. She was moving in the right direction. And, And to move to the next step, she also landed a spot on a TV show in Japan wow. called Terrace House. So if you're familiar with the real world, especially uh, the real world in like 92 or 90, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a long, long time ago, uh, uh, the real world TV show on MTV, where you would have uh, seven strangers picked to live in a house.
1: You know what? And I know I, what happens. I loved MTV. Now I'm with you. <laughs>
0: If I know what happens when people, uh, uh, you know, just start getting real, you know, can you get the phone? So she was on the terrace house, which is basically the Japanese version of that. The Japanese version is a little bit less about fights and a little bit more about finding love. Like they're Mm. encouraged to date other members of the house. They're encouraged to fall in love. And the way you leave the show, because it's not where they have seasons of one cast and then rotate to another city with seasons of another, um, you're encouraged to leave the show when you decide to fall in love and you have a sort of like, uh, I'm not sure if I get the word right, but I think it's called a kokuhaku, where wow, you have so you, to sort you, of like. You're
1: stuck in there until you love, so like you're forced to, <laughs> to hate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And basically you either have to stay until you fall in love or you have to sort of express why you've given up.
1: Wow. Wow. That's and a so, lot of pressure. Uh, that is a lot yeah, of pressure.
0: And a lot of people end up leaving because they express that they've given up. <laughs> right? <laughs> like,
1: um, You know what? I mean, that alone, I think that show alone, can you imagine? I mean, just put yourself in her shoes at 22 to be on a reality TV show of that type of pressure is it's so much different if it's a reality TV show about like your work. Or you know, or like 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 something fun, or or like a like a challenge. You know, all these like survivor games. But love is the most intimate thing. It's the most hurtful, painful thing. It's the most <laughs> embarrassing thing. So to broadcast that and then be twenty two, I, th- I feel like that alone could have done it. You know,
0: Naomi, have I told you about uh, when we tried to start a reality show?
1: Oh no. Did that kill okay. you? Did it kill somebody else? <laughs> it's going to be a,
0: it's going to be a totally different episode because we're going to take a left turn. Okay. But my feeling is you should ask me about that in every episode of the future because you would love the story of all. People. I will. This is what's important about the show. Now, uh, when she joined. Um, <sighs> I, I don't know how to express it. I, she became popular. I actually didn't know she was on the show. I knew her from her pro wrestling life because uh, clearly I'm interested in Japan. Uh, I also kind of like uh, pro wrestling. Right?
1: The two I mean, with sort of TJ's, Tj's story from last season. I'm sure like that all ties in here. Like if you didn't hear about his uh, his wrestling matches that he was doing with greasy girls in a, at a bar, <laughs> like. <laughs>
0: So, so let's be clear about this. Japanese pro wrestling for women is, I mean, they can be attractive women. They're not not all, they're not all attractive. They can be attractive and Hana absolutely was, although that's not the reason for the tragedy. Um, they beat the hell out of each other. Like it's not a sexy wrestling match. It's not meant to be, uh, greasy wrestling, oil wrestling, mud wrestling, uh, or like the, the mid nineties when WWE was all, um, strip wrestling, mm. uh, lingerie wrestling, things and of that nature
1: Interesting, though, because Japanese culture, I feel like it's so revealing. Right. And so the fact that this is what came out, I mean, uh, with like women wrestling and it's so hardcore, that really is interesting. It's like a, like a needed outlet that, that became this way.
0: A hundred percent. And, uh, women go, men go, but women go and they, uh, are given strength through Japanese women wrestling. And unlike American wrestling, where often the women wrestling will either be, uh, oil wrestling, like you mentioned, comedy wrestling, like glow was uh, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling in the eighties, which now have their own Netflix show, uh, things of that nature this is the real deal. They punch each other. They kick each other. They have fun during the break, just like any other show. And then the other thing I was going to mention is it's very rarely connected to men's wrestling. Mm. So where in America, you would generally go see, if you're seeing like real pro wrestling, um, you would see uh, like a men's match, men's match. And maybe there's one or two women's matches on the card of the larger wrestling match. If you're going to watch in Japan, it's a card of all women's matches. There's mm. not men on the cart. So, so Hannah was born into this and then she started. So, and then you add that the, the TV show. So this is what happened. And I don't mean to make this 10 minutes of prologue, but I think it's important. Um, on the TV show, her character, it, 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 it in pro wrestling and life, what we've seen YouTube things. Her character is very bubbly. She's very charismatic. She's happy all the time. Uh, not all the time, but she's a real person. She's she's fascinated by um, new things. What she can occur. This is it's it's sort of someone who seems excited and fun to be around. Right? You
1: don't expect that.
0: So yeah. exactly. And 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 what happened on the show was uh, when you talked about opening yourself up she met a guy on the show who was uh very quiet uh, and his name is kai it's not a secret is that his name i hope that's his name um but he met a guy on the show that was very quiet and they became friends they became close they were friends first and at one point they had a conversation where they both sort of expressed and in the show shows them talk in private uh, to their friends saying, you know, I'm kind of interested. I'd be interested to find out what happens. And they have a conversation where they say, um, yeah, I'd be interested to find out if we can be more than just very close friends. Like I feel good around you. We could be more than very close friends. Now I don't want our podcast to be a Terrace House recap show. Yeah. Um, but
1: I know what you're saying is that um it's just – it's just these things happen and it's real and it's um, important. And I think especially in this time, this time of COVID is a lot yeah. of pressure on people. And people
0: are saying that's a big part of it. So it, what ended up happening was uh, they went on, and, and to summarize as much as possible and only hit the high points, they went on a double date, which he was not in the best mood for. He had something else on his mind and it was really sort of their first date. It was there's a hundred reasons why it was a bad idea, but he did it anyway. They went on this double date which was too complicated. Um he wasn't in the best mood for it. He acted poorly through it. Not that he was rude, but he just he wasn't his mind wasn't there, right? It wasn't his day to do it and he did it anyway cuz that was on the schedule. Um by the end of the date, she had decided that The guy who was her best friend, who she thought she could get to love with, uh, not only did she not want to fall in love with him, she didn't even like the guy. Like, Mm -hmm. he wasn't going to be her friend anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the end of the date, by the time they got back to the Terrace House, which was in a different city from where the date was, uh, basically she was done, as far as he was concerned. Like, it was over. The next episode, and this was... it wasn't really well explained why and mm. this is part of where the cyberbullying later came from it wasn't super well explained look a woman has an absolute right to like who they want to like they have an absolute and and sometimes it's not in your control sometimes it hits you like the thunderbolt right it's not always that oh i choose to do this at the same time when you're watching a narrative when you're watching a narrative you want to know why the next step is happening if 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 All of a sudden, Luke Skywalker is alive, Mm -hmm. and last episode he was dead. I need to know why, and if not, I'm mad.
1: So, So no one explained it, or did they?
0: They explained it in such a way that it was very poor. That part was kind of explained, like, I'm just not interested based on what was going on. But the next episode... And, and this is where, when, which is what people are reporting. People leave out that first part. What people are reporting in the next episode, which I saw, um, I guess she came home from a very large pro wrestling match. She has uh, her favorite costume. She put it in the washing machine and she forgot to take it out to put it in the dryer. When that happened, he did his laundry and didn't notice her costume was in there. So he washed the costumes together and he ruined her costume.
1: Oh. So, but they're all he, kind of like significant lead ups.
0: So, he ruined her costume. So, what ended up happening is when he, when she found her costume had been ruined, she blamed him for it and she blamed him for it and she went in on him. And the English translation, uh, does not do justice to how. And this is the part like, I'm not trying to blame her because there's nothing that's her fault, right? It's never your fault. But the English translation does not do justice to exactly the way she treated him.
1: You know what? There's something that happened behind the scenes. I mean, they're not going to show you everything. There's something that happened behind the scenes that has to have created that amount of animosity. Like, there's no way that she would be that angry out of no reason if she wasn't always that way. So,
0: My strong feeling is she was not angry about the costume. And that was the impression I got having watched that episode. Or Was, just have dating something... Japanese.
1: If you've ever dated a Japanese woman, you know it's always never about what they're actually yelling at you for. <laughs> it's always going to be like something you did last week or last month or last year. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: and, 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 you know, and there's there's the, the language she uses because, you know, Japanese have different levels of politeness in their speaking. And she used the level that said you're worthless, you're horrible in in the, in the tone of politeness. I don't want to say those are her words. And I guess there are reports that she hit his hat and someone you said she slapped though? him, but I didn't Obviously, see that Honestly,
1: that's not even, um, very surprising. That's very like, I, I, in no way am I saying that's like an acceptable thing, but I just, it's something that I've seen where it's not about, yeah, it's not about that issue. It's she's built up and this happens with and couples. That's exactly what it was. So they're not showing it all. They're not saying everything that happened, and that alone means that she was kind of. Uh, there were so many secrets going on, right? So
0: well, there was something happening that that I don't know, and I because because it's it it's doesn't match her character for mm. her to act like that based on what we saw or what we were yes, told, which
1: already tells you there's something wrong, right? And that should have like.
0: Well, there so have the been question is of,
1: of help there, right? well, so the question is helped.
0: is it something we weren't told because yeah. if it's something we weren't told, then she's acting properly based on what occurred,
1: yeah, but
0: if she's acting based on what we saw, then there's something that we don't know
1: yeah
0: that that other people might not know, and that's when they could have looked into it and seen what's happening but uh, just to to rush through it. Basically in the next scene after that conversation he left the show. Interesting. He basically said he basically said well you know I, I need more time to work on myself
1: uh-huh. clearly
0: um this isn't going to work I'm going to leave the show. Oh,
1: Subsequent to wow. that
0: that's where the cyberbullying
1: started. Mm, okay.
0: 100% based on that.
1: Cyberbullying um, bullying that will kill people. Like I don't think I don't think dead. people people In don't it. understand how much your words affect others. they words really do translate so much energy and thoughts. Um and it did, like you said. And, and this is what's so interesting. Speaking of this, like your intentions and topic, right? There's actually a Japanese um scientist, and I god, I don't wanna say his name wrong, but he was butcher it. it I, well, oh God, I, must, I can't even remember his name, but it's, um, it'll come to me, but it's, it's called like, uh, something about like the, the essence of water or the power of water. I think it's the power of water is like, I, I want to say, um, and I want to, oh God, Masato, Masan. I can't think of it. Emoto, E-M-O-T-O, I want to say. Okay. And he is a scientist who did a study of how your thoughts are actually translating, Energy and they do indeed change the molecules because um, Dr. His,
0: Masaru Emoto. Yes, yes. Message he, from the water.
1: Yes, message from the water. There you go. So he actually did like a, a series of studies over years where um, he wanted to see what do our thoughts actually do. We can't see what our thoughts do, but they do have consequences. They do result that our thoughts do indeed create life and matter in physical form, and it's true because. He had people come throughout the day. he set out glasses of water, the same glasses, the same tap water um, and all he had was a different word in front of each water and he said to all the people coming in who were random right it was like one of those um you know like a like you you know like you have a group of university students you ask them to come in for as part of their lesson or whatever he had like a whole bunch of random people, all different ages. he took documentation there's a whole study on it you can look at but the eight hours throughout the day people would come in to the room one by one go to each water glass look at that word and project whatever they they felt about that word onto the water glass that was the mission so one of them was love one of them was hate one of them was rock and roll and i can't remember the last one in this book that i i briefly remember from but it was just the results of the water at the end of that eight hours were different every single glass had a different molecule structure and he took um He took pictures of it under the microscope and he kept records of every time that they had began their water session, all the molecules looked the same. By the end of the eight hours, after multiple people came in and thought those words and said things to the water and thought things on the water, the water literally changed physically. The molecules changed. And the degree of which they changed was so different from each other. Um, If you look at the pictures, you can look it up. It was that the... The love was like a perfect um, snowflake type of shape and hate was actually really intricate and it wasn't quite, um, it wasn't, it wasn't quite imperfect, but it was just very complicated. And then, um, rock and roll was like not perfect and it had no structure. It was like a very, um, it looked like a very kind of crazy mess. If I remember what he described, but just the fact that love was like perfect and beautiful every single time. Every single time that people thought love onto water, the molecules were beautiful and like perfect and all in in complete, um, you know, uh, mathematic formation to each other. Every time somebody thought hateful words or negative words, it was this like completely complicated, very uh, multiple faceted shape, you know? And just if that's what you're doing to water and that is what you're doing with one word, yeah. And that's that's what you're doing to our physical bodies. We are 80% water. So in turn, when you are sending your thoughts towards someone, we literally are either making them live, die, become beautiful, become ugly. Our words, our thoughts, they matter so much. Look at that. What what we do to water, we're doing to our bodies, right?
0: Well, definitely whatever you project on the other starts to become reality. It doesn't mean you have absolute control over them. No. But it does mean... I have to live with that. Whatever you project on me, I have to live with. So I I completely get it. So the question is, and then the other thing, before I get to the question, the the, the other thing is, I could see, having actually watched the show, I was more worried about him doing some self-harm, actually,
1: Mm. Mm.
0: having watched the show, because the way he left, Mm. he left at his lowest point. Mm. So... It's honestly could have been remembered in a completely different way uh, on the other so side.
1: maybe him leaving was a good thing, you see, so um, well this is this is the problem with relationships. you right, you kind of bring out from each other what is hidden in there, right? so absolutely that's what happened is that's why this is a dangerous thing. Love is dangerous. Love is not in any way easy or something pretty. It's completely (laughs) dangerous and (laughs) risk taking. And yeah, look what it can do. It can, it can harm. It can, it can help, but it can also, it can be also that she couldn't live. Like she obviously had all these feelings that were repressed. And so when you repress those feelings, how do they come out? They're going to come out at someone else. Or then they come out at yourself. Yeah.
0: And she did mention earlier in the show that part of the reason she came on the show is because she was, I think, I want to say she had an abusive relationship before Mm -hmm. she turned 18. I I want to say, I haven't rewatched it, but I want to say she said that she had an abusive relationship.
1: A lot of her success, too. And like that was part of
0: why she was so sheltered and sort of refused to Uh, go out. Interesting. Um, Sort of thing. So, so, so how do we stop the cycle? Because I do feel like this was to some degree. Uh, this, there's two questions. How do we stop the cycle of, of bullying and hurting each other, especially in love situations? But then how do we recognize our friends when they need us? Because it seems honestly, uh, and, I, and I hope I'm not overselling it when I say this, I feel like if she lived through the night, uh, she would have been an international star. Cause she was on that road.
1: There would have been help. Like she just needed help. And this is so huge for anyone. Like I th- I think this is like the ultimate, I mean, right now, especially the mental disease um, <laughs> is growing <laughs> because <laughs> we're all stuck with situations that we can't control and it's just causing people to be crazy or be stuck with family members that they've never reconciled with or whatever. Right. And, um, People have to be okay asking for help. And I think that's where there's been a real problem in our society. Is like people are shamed for saying I need help, for saying, you know, I don't know so what
0: to is do. The, is the onus on the person who needs the help to say they need help? Like, do, do I not get I involved know. until no. they say that?
1: Uh, well, I might be different, but I am a firm believer. Like if I see that someone needs help, I'm going to help you and you might not like it but I'm going to help you because I can't live with myself knowing that I watched you go through that and do nothing.
0: Well, how do you figure that out? How do you determine that?
1: Um, usually they're close to me. I mean, that's like, you know, I think, I feel like that's really where we've gotten away from things. And I feel like that's really where problems begin is when you don't have, what is family, right? Like I'm not talking about blood family, but I mean that when you have people that actually care about each other, It can be roommates, it can be, you know, it can be like your ex-boyfriend that you guys are just best friends and you guys just, you know, didn't have romance, but you guys really care about each other. Like that's still family, you know, you just, you need to have people in your life that care about you. And it can't be where they just care about you when it's convenient. Like when you love somebody and you care about somebody, you're going to do what. It's costly and you're gonna do what is inconvenient because they matter to you, because you actually, you know, would feel responsible if something happened to them. And that I feel like that's the definition of family. Like if I if I felt like it was gonna be partly on me if somebody died, if I felt responsible to them, then they're a level of family to me, you know.
0: So only if you're responsible?
1: No, I mean, like, I couldn't live with knowing that if I if I remember a friend mentioning, you know, that they just felt so down and, and I noticed that, you know, like, maybe their drinking habits picked up and then yeah. I just, you know, like, I noticed that they weren't going out or they, you know, or they just started watching, like, a lot of, like, really heavy murder movies. Like, I would be concerned, you know, and it doesn't mean you go tell on them to somebody because, you know, that's, I, I personally feel like the way I am is I just show up and I'm like, Hey, I brought you dinner or I call or, you know, I just, even if it's like prayer, I mean, not to get religious here, but I do believe in thoughts, right? Like, like water. If we're thinking good thoughts, that can matter. That might matter. Just sending that message. It's like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I just wanted to tell you, like, I can't wait to see you or, you know,
0: and that's part of the whole problem with the social distancing issues. We have to, adjust social distancing to create social networks. And I don't mean online networks. I mean, the original plan with social distancing. The absolute original plan was always, we're going to be on our own for about two weeks with our family. And then we would start seeing which members of our friends and family we trusted outside of our house. And then we would be able to have events or parties basically only with those people understanding If we got sick, that's because we accepted them in our life. So you would interview, to some degree, your friends, and you would have that network. Um, a, A lot of people are saying, and I don't know how much I buy this, but had they still lived in the house because it seems pretty clear watching this, the Terrace House, it seems pretty clear watching this that they didn't live there full-time. I mean, they're all relatively successful youth, right? Most of them have jobs or or successful to some degree in their career. Some of the people trying to be models or, or actors or actresses are on the lower level, but it sure seems like they all might have their own apartment separate from the house they live in, right? So... Uh, that's the question. Like, had she been in the house, she might've had someone to lean on. She would have shared a room, right? With two other girls. She might've had well, and, someone else. And to lean that's into. where it's
1: hard. It's like, did she even have anyone in the house that she felt she trusted? And that's half the problem. Like she could have been put there with people that she didn't feel comfortable with either.
0: You know, she sure seemed like she got along well with the girls. I mean, there was I mean, no you, you tension or fighting.
1: You can get along. And like.
0: The other thing is she had a strong network of female friends at the wrestling uh, company.
1: And she seemed to really get
0: along. Like I'm not ready to say that they were all catty or backbiting or anything without some sort of other um, Mm -hmm. evidence of it. It sure seemed like they got along. And it seemed like everyone's coming out with great memories about her and moments they had together and videos of them having fun. The videos of her on backstage were always seemed like a good time. And I get that that could all be – hidden. Right. But I'm not ready to say that like, she didn't have any friends until this.
1: I don't even think that's the, I I, I feel like it's nothing that was in the immediate circle. It's like, so I just, for example, um, I do, I do have a a really good friend that I, I tried to get on here, but she was a little bit nervous. She doesn't like speaking in public. She's very (laughs) one-on-one and, um, I've talked to her a lot um, because she's so special. I met her in college and she just happens to have run into me later after we had kids. And she's so, I I don't want to say her name just because she's a little shy, but her, um, experience with therapy, she's got some, I can't remember exactly what kind of nursing she was studying, but she has some sort of medical something she was studying. And then she decided that she really wanted to help people. Um, so she went into psychology as she felt like that was much more intimate. And, Mm -hmm. um, her experience with PTSD is also really interesting because she's dealt with military families, but she's dealt a lot with couples and she's dealt a lot with the people on the receiving end of those that are, um, you know, have like spouses with PTSD or like their sons have PTSD or their fathers or whatever. And And she's, um, dealt with a lot of like, basically almost you know death attacks or people wanting to kill themselves or that level of depression where they need medication to survive every day and to function and um, she's been through a lot herself and she grew up in a family that was broken and she actually saw a lot of trauma at a young age so she's very um, aware of what it feels like to witness that and so her insight has been so interesting because she always talks about how you know, you really need a support system that that's really the difference that keeps people alive or able to stay married or able to, um, ask for help. It's support systems and it starts from a young age and it starts from your childhood. And it's always the people who have the most damaging lives or the ones who end up hurting others are always, it comes back to their childhood. It really comes back to something that happened in when they were learning what the world was, that their beliefs, their initial beliefs of what the world is like is why they are unable to cope. It's because it comes from childhood trauma. And if something wasn't mended or secured in the time that they were shaping their beliefs of the world, it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to cope with bigger trauma that come later. You know, and so that says a lot about how we can prevent this. We can prevent this by creating better, better examples for our youth, and just really being attentive to them, and really giving them right the amount of um, reassurance when they're young, and really making sure that they have a safe environment that is encouraging their self esteem while they're young, and allowing them to feel loved and and um, safe enough to talk about problems so that if we are yes. showing our youth that it's okay to ask for help you won't be beaten or shamed when you ask for help and you won't be you won't be excluded if you have an emotional outbreak right and if you're showing them this at their young age instead of shame and neglect and um, abandonment, right. Then that is what is going to make the difference in this kind of case later. It's that they're going to have the, they're going to have the security to know that later in life, when things are hard, there's going to be someone that will help me and that it's okay. I, I will be loved somewhere and that I am safe. Right.
0: So I've thought really hard about this and I think it's three parts. I think, um, and, and I thought about it by talking it over with a friend of mine, and she's very worried. She said she's very worried about her son uh, and how to help her son deal with cyberbullying. Her son's the same age as mine, so very, very young.
1: Wow. And that's
0: young. And it, well, not that it's yet, but she knows it's coming because oh. that's what the world's going to be. Okay, okay, yes. And it's not something we dealt with. Me and her are the same age. Um, so it's not something we dealt with when – I mean, there just wasn't that much cyberbullying yeah. when internet was on dial-up, right? Yeah. So – um, and I think what I came to is, uh, what we teach our kid is one, we have to make sure they're confident to know, uh, that whatever they say is anonymous, it's made to hurt you and you just have to be strong in this situation. You have to do your best to understand while well, these words are out there meant to hurt you. It doesn't mean you have to accept that you don't have to accept somebody trying to hurt you. That's nothing that you're required to do. You can ignore it. You can move on from it. You can think they're stupid. You can move on from all that. But that's only a third because that's not going to work for everything. It's just not. Yeah. Another third is that uh, our children have to know that they can lean on us for anything they need in times of need. That
1: yes.
0: If they're going to open up to us about something scary, and obviously it always comes back to opening up about uh, I want to date someone from a different race or someone from the same gender. If they think they're going to come to us and they're going to not be accepted about that, or they're going to be hurt by that. Um, that doesn't mean they can lean on us. That doesn't mean they can come to us for everything. So they have to be able to come to us about anything. And we have to be able yeah. to uh, not just accept them, but be there to support them, not yeah. in their decision, but support them in the right thing to do going forward. Because sometimes well, even if we don't kids agree, do choose the wrong thing.
1: Yes. And even if we don't agree, it has to be that, you know, you send the message that I might be angry initially. I might be, I might, I might have a hard time swallowing that, but I, but you have to make it so sure that no matter how mad, you know. Well,
0: I'm right in the middle of my steps and I want yeah. to argue with you about what you just said. Go
1: ahead. Go ahead. No, because
0: I'm right in the middle of my steps and I haven't finished them.
1: I'm so sorry. Keep playing.
0: That's fine. So that's only the second step is that they could come to you for whatever they need in times of need and they can lean on you for you to help them do the right thing. Uh, and then number three is, I think we have to look into ourselves and mm-hmm. us to make sure that we're ready to recognize mm. when they are coming to us. Cause I know, especially myself, and this is maybe I say this because I'm saying this, that other people have to do it because what I mean is I have to do it,
1: <laughs> um,
0: is I have to be aware when someone is actually asking me for help. Cause it's not always in words, but even if it is in words, sometimes I think it's a joke. <laughs> Sometimes I think, oh, well, and, and quite frankly, I think if you can ask for help in words, usually you don't actually need help. Um, to me, uh, you already know what the first step is. You're asking for it. Not real help. I mean, you already know what it is. Uh, you found the first step. It's the – I'm more worried. Like if, if Hannah could have called somebody and said, hey, uh, I need to talk to you about this or I'm having a hard time taking it through the night, she's great. She could do all that. I think it's too much to put on the people who need help that they have to ask.
1: Like they don't know. I think people ask in
0: different ways and and they don't realize they can, or they don't know how, or if they do, they do it in a way that maybe I don't recognize. Even if they actually do use the words, sometimes I might just be, Hey, you know what? I'm watching TV right now and (sighs) I can talk to you son when Tiger King is over. Or when Terrace House finishes, I can talk to you when I'm done with my TV show. Or And it's like, no, no, no. Now's the conversation I need to have because I just got this call from a girl or text from a girl. and I, I don't know how to deal with it, and, and it's affecting me. So those are the three things, I think. I, I think you have to be confident. The words don't have to hurt you. I think they have to know they can lean on you for anything positive in times of need. But they could lean on you and that you will give them anything positive in times of need. And number three is I have to be able to recognize when someone is coming to me or when they do need me. Because to me, I, at least to me, I think that's a big hard step. And that's something I do want to do. So,
1: I think that last one was so beautiful. So I think that's key is that we... You know, they always say you cannot pour someone else's cup if you haven't poured your own. Like, you have to be able to recognize when you need help to be able to recognize when someone else needs help, right? (laughs) We half the time deny that we are in crisis. And so then we don't recognize when someone else is in crisis, right? Well,
0: you know, I don't think it even has to be because you're in crisis. I think it can be just, I mean, especially guys, we live in a, in a, in a joking yeah. uh, milieu. We live in a, a situation yeah. where, oh, I'm going to tease you about everything. Yeah. And if you can't take it, you can't handle it. And if someone comes to me and tells me, hey, I'm having a hard time with my chick, if I don't realize this is real,
1: gonna I'm going to <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs>
0: make fun of it right off the top. And probably until I realize exactly how much it is. And if not that, it, could, it doesn't have to just be about... Women it could be about whatever it is. My car right. is broken down, or hey, I need yeah. help with the rent, or yeah. hey, you know, I lost my job. You go, well, of course, you lost your job. I want to employ you. You know, like all these <laughs> things are super easy to misinterpret if oh, right. I don't get this is a crisis.
1: So, how right? do we get ourselves to recognize? I think that's huge. How do we get ourselves to recognize when someone else really does need help? Like, what are those? What are those signs that we're gonna say? Oh shit! Stop. Wait. Let's 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 you know. Call her. Let's um, (laughs) let's try to like show up at her house with some food or some support. Or can we? You know how? And how do we do it before
0: it's too late? Mm -hmm. What I'm going to tell you is, I think that's outside the scope of what me and you should be talking about. True. Because I'm not a specialist in it. I I'm not coming to you with some special experience that I have where I missed it. I mean, I know there's times in my life where I've missed minor things people need cuz they've called me on it later um but like i don't have some special technique to let you know i do Mm -hmm. think that's something maybe if uh hopefully someone's listening and be willing to come talk to us that maybe we could get them to say but to me that's the three-part plan which i plan to use with my kids and what i was going to argue with about is that it doesn't mean i'm going to accept everything he does yes i mean i will help him do everything he does positively like so if he comes to me and says you know what dad i i just love doing heroin um it helps me with my music uh, I have a good time with it. Girls like me more. If I give it to them. I'm not going to support him in that. I'll support him in him telling me that. Yeah. I'll support him in,
1: right.
0: uh, him discussing it with me or feeling open enough to tell me and I'll actively support him getting off it and I'll support him in what I think is what's best for him.
1: Right. But good. I
0: think that's important to remember is that just because someone says, Hey, I need help. Where do I, dump this body. That doesn't mean I'm giving you help to do that.
1: Yes. Now, now if I a can help line. you before you
0: have the body, right. maybe I could help you work our way through that and what other alternatives are.
1: But, but um, that's the thing though, is that there's still, this is what people I think have a really hard time with is once they come to you with the body, like that is a done deal, but that's still, there has to be a way that we can still say, I'm so glad you told me, like, I'm so glad you came forward. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you like, like I am less angry at you or there will be there, you know, like there, because you are confessing, like we still have to reward that and reward that. Not reward that, but I mean, sorry. I mean like, you know, like it's, it's, it's always where it's better that you came forward. No,
0: I'm a criminal defense attorney and I'm not going to agree with that ever. Okay. Uh, at all, <laughs> because I, I know there's situations where they shouldn't,
1: but well, they I understand
0: shouldn't. before we get to the, like, body stage, the body stage, I brought up body, okay. my fault. Yes. I, yes. I accept it.
1: Yes. The, um, the acknowledging <laughs> what you've done is what I'm trying to say. Like it's, yeah. you need to be able to, you know, have a safety in saying I did this, like that has to be able to happen for you to be able to well, acknowledge that somewhere.
0: Uh, let's yeah. talk about non-criminal matters right not now because
1: I can't analogy. give
0: legal advice on that. Well, take I mean, even short, that, even short of that, even short of that.
1: I'm I, talking about like help. Like when you are about to do something this damaging or you already are in the process, like even if she was, let's say she, I don't know, let's say she was already starting to do it and she started to regret it. And, and it's like, she has five minutes. She has to be able to have, can we, can we somehow? I wish there was a way that she knows she could call somebody in that five minutes and just be like, so "Help me," you know.
0: I think what I'm expressing is I think it's too much um, emotional burden to demand they ask.
1: It is. So how do we intervene in that moment? Right? Like, how can we? So I think that's.
0: I think that's too late. I think it's too late if we're saying we're going to wait until that moment. It is.
1: It is. So that's I what I was saying. It, it starts from childhood. It starts from like your whole life, right? Like it starts with every day. We have an opportunity to reach out to people and just let them know that we care. I think is really the difference. I think that's.
0: I think that's the first major step. Is right? that if you do care about someone, let them know.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I've I've definitely had friends that this kind of thing. It was never like to that point. Yeah, but there's definitely been times where I just had bad feelings like I just I just yeah. woke up and I was like god like I cannot get this person off my mind it's something just bothers me like there's something wrong with the last conversation we had like I just don't feel right and instead of ignoring it I was like okay <laughs> I'm gonna make this really awkward text message <laughs> And say, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I've got this feeling and I just wanted you to know that I care and I love you. And did you want to talk about anything? Are you hungry? Did you want to get dinner? Like those are the conversations that as weird and awkward as they might feel, I am so glad I did that because it ended up, yes, they needed help.
0: Yeah. And and, and quite frankly, right now, you don't even have to go that far because, you know, we're all stuck indoors. Right. Although it is starting (laughs) to open up a little bit. But now's the time, especially during the, we use the phrase social distancing, we shouldn't, physical distancing. They started trying to move, to use the phrase physical distancing. Um, uh, Now's a great chance to check in on people, and I've done it now, especially people who are older who I haven't talked to in a minute. Now's a great chance to call someone and say, hey, um, just thinking about you, wanted to see if you need anything, wanted to see how Mm -hmm. you're doing. I'm going crazy in my house. Are you going crazy in yours? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, start the conversation, even if it's twenty minutes of them saying, "Hey, I, I got to get off the phone because my kids are fighting." Um, <laughs> you know, so that's just it, it, it's interesting because with the growth of email, uh, we no longer send handwritten messages. Of, I mean, we don't even teach handwriting in schools in a lot of schools, <laughs> but we no longer teach handwritten messages uh, or send handwritten messages to to, to pick people up and make people feel better. Uh, I don't normally send, I mean, we send text now maybe instead of G, uh, email saying, hey, uh, what's going on? You okay? Things like that. And it's just so minor compared to the way social you know and psychology it, used to be done.
1: It's also just judgments. You know, I think a lot of the problem is like we just have so many preconceived judgments and that's really what stops people from being able to save each other or open up or just you know, make like that life-changing connection because a lot of it is the people that are suffering and going through this. They're not going to ask for help because they don't right. real, either. Either they don't realize they need help, or they're too ashamed, or they're just oh. too stuck. Oh. You know, and so yeah. much shame, like people don't want to have to admit what they've done, which is the whole reason they feel that shitty to begin with, or they don't want to admit like what they're feeling because they feel like it's weakness' well, Let's go with
0: feeling as opposed to what they've done. But yeah, yeah I'm on board with it that.
1: Oh, yeah. it's like, I mean, it's just, no. it's, so we have to be able to, you know, yes, there's right and wrong, but we also have to be able to have that compassion to be able to say, you know. I want to work through this with you. I don't want you to end up making that detrimental decision that there's no going back. Like I want to work through this with you even though it's hard, even though it's scary, even though yes, what you've done or what you or what you're dealing with is, you know, almost too hard to handle. Like I'm not giving up on you. They need that they need that kind of non-judgment that you know, like that's to me it's just what you're asking is can we just love? Like that is what love is. Love it's is friendship.
0: I mean it's friendship for sure. It's real friendship.
1: Love is not about sex. Love is not about what you're gonna get. Love is when you're like, hey, I still think you're worth it. I still think I still think you're you're somebody special enough to keep alive, you know, to keep in my life to to support. And that is love that we haven't given each other that needs to happen, you know.
0: Is this the first time we've ever agreed on a podcast? I think this might be the first time we've (laughs) agreed. Might be the first time you agreed in a long I time.
1: I think i always agreed. I think I just speak a different language than you. That's all. I think well, I you agree absolutely
0: with, speak a different language.
1: I do. And I think I agree with you, but you don't see my my words as the same.
0: That's 100% <laughs> because I've uh, preconceived my judgment when you talk to me. <laughs> I've decided what yes. you said. All right. Let's get off while we're still here. Thank you guys uh, very much for spending this time with us. This is a especially long um, and it was the opposite. I wanted to make this especially short. I wanted to be in and out, but I think we had a good conversation. I think it was important. And, and I worked through some things for yeah. me, whether anybody listens to this or not, I, I feel better. So thank you very much yeah. Naomi, for talking to me about this.
1: Oh, I love it. Good.
0: And have a wonderful night.